G'day guys, welcome to the Fair Income Podcast. You got myself Willy, alongside Ashraf and Suhail, as well as our special guest, Abdullah Hamimi. Today we speak about how Abdullah has become a TEDx speaker, as well as his upcoming events, and also empowering the youth to take on more responsibilities. So with um, the the IRA role, yeah. like we were, alhamdulillah, mashallah, we were already doing work on, on the Dawah scene, particularly at Monash, particularly outside of there, uh, involved in the community, setting up uh, programs, events. For me, one of the big motivations and insp- uh, inspirations is always about, you know, empowering, equipping uh, and educating and inspiring and motivating young Muslims to carry Islam. Okay. And this was something that I uh, became inspired through, particularly through the work of Hamza, Hamza Zotas. Hamimi, who's Hamza? So Hamza, Hamza is, uh, at the moment, he's the CEO of Aira. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's the author of uh, a couple of books. Uh, he's on the debating scene, on uh, engaging with uh, uh, Muslims and non-Muslims. And essentially at the moment, uh, I'm not I'm sure if I'm allowed to say this, but he's more of a bit of a corporate guy now because he's, he's in charge of, you know, a big level administration and organization, right? Yeah. And so uh, himself, along with the wider team, and there's so many people uh, that uh, I don't even know who they are. I've got, I got a quick question for you. We all know you, like you're always the... The lovable guy, you know, the guy is always at the the Islamic Islamic events, Islamic society events all over Melbourne and that. And everyone sees you as, you know, that guy, you know, Abdullah Hamimi. And they're like, who's Abdullah You know, the guy that's always at the events, he's in the wheelchair, you know. And um, yeah. they're like, yeah, yeah, straight away. As soon as they hear that the wheelchair, subhanAllah, yes, bang. They know exactly who you're talking about. 100%. And um, if, if you're not comfortable with this, just let me know. But... Really would like. Can we stop the recording? No, <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I would really, I would really like the audience because I've already heard the story. I haven't. Um, there's a lot of people that haven't. Um, yeah. I would like to. I would like if you're comfortable enough to share the story with us about the whole, we, like what happened. Yeah. So uh, about it's probably show my age now. <laughs> I think it was about <laughs> 11 years ago or 10 years ago. Uh, I was at university at the time. Actually, by the way, I'm, I've described this in the TEDx talk. Hashtag club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got a TEDx talk, people. He can actually say, thank you for listening to my <laughs> TED talk. Hashtag <laughs> So um, with that, uh, yeah, so about 10 or so years ago, um, I, was, I was at university at the time and uh, we just opened up the medical center and, uh, you know, opening up a new business of any sort. It's like we were working, I think working like literally 7 to 7, 7 a.m. Mm. to 7 p.m. Wow. for like, literally seven days a week uh, for so much and uh and i'm i'm an i was a noob at the time bro <laughs> i just finished school i'd never haven't lived a pretty privileged life in the sense i'd never worked a part-time job yeah. and suddenly you know dad's bought a medical center and he's like he just literally pushed me in <laughs> and said take care of this i'm gonna do the work i'm gonna be the doctor you have to manage and ensure that um you know everything goes well on that end and so through with myself uh, and my sisters at the time we shared the responsibilities and uh, that was my first job uh and i think generally as a practice manager you know you probably need to have at least a postgrad qualification probably a master's or an mba yeah. to do that or at least some sort of uh, especially a medical center yeah yes. so some sort of degree <laughs> some sort of degree but of course there was a lot of there was a lot of support i had a lot of family support and i worked we worked with a really good team mm-hmm. and um, my brothers and sisters and we probably made a whole lot of mistakes that we mm. uh, we probably don't know <laughs> but you live in your so anyway we're working really really hard and uh, juggling quite a few things and um, one day i was driving back from work and going home and um, uh, crashed my car, right? Um, and I don't know, I don't know any, anything about that. I, the car hit a tree. I uh, can't remember anything. And uh, I was in a coma for two weeks, right? Oh. And so I had pretty bad injuries. It was a little, a little hatchback, um, mm-hmm. like it was a Toyota Echo, right? Oh. So I uh, hit a tree. Apparently, that's what the, that's what they told me. My brother was in the car with me. Alhamdulillah, he was fine. Um, but I wasn't. Does um, he remember anything or not? No, he doesn't remember anything. I think it was. Damn. I think it was playing on his phone at the time. That's yeah, what I suspect. Yeah. But he won't admit it. But anyway, yeah. I was, I'm pretty sure because I, I, yeah, I, I, I do remember uh, giving him my phone mm. uh, back then, and you know, whatever. So um, uh, actually, I think we came back from a haircut, so I had a nice haircut anyway. <laughs> <laughs> at least he had a nice haircut. <laughs> and then, so uh, for me, unfortunately, the airbag didn't open up. Uh, the car got totally decimated. It was like, it was literally like one of those, 
uh, you know those crash test advertisements? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They destroy a car. The car literally gets like sandwiched. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Imagine that, but I'm the dummy yeah. and the airbag doesn't open up. Like figure wow. it out. Wow, yeah? so uh, the airbag didn't open up. And then there was, there was other things as well, but um, uh, if you look at the car, I'm like, how the hell is the airbag gonna open up? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, okay. Like literally there's nothing left of the front. Khair, uh, I had um, injuries, uh, I hurt my, uh, hurt my spine, uh, had, a, had a fracture, a burst fracture, which basically means what it says, yeah? This, the vertebrae like burst. Wow, yeah? okay. Um, and then I also had, uh, I fractured my scapula, I had punctured lungs on both sides. So my ribs went into my lungs. Um, and so what happens there is that your lungs get filled in blood and you mm. can't breathe. Yeah. And if you don't breathe for at least three or four minutes, yeah, so from your last breath, from that point onwards, you can get permanent brain damage. Yeah. And wow. that's why I have really bad jokes. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, I had literally had probably a handful of minutes before I would, I would have to take my last breath yeah. and then hope that the paramedics get there in time. So alhamdulillah, the paramedics did get there in time and they drain your blood for, they, you know, and I'd, I was, my face was blue apparently to, from reports, like literally blue. I'm not like, yeah. not exaggerating yeah. on that. Wow. Yeah? Imagine holding your breath yeah. and you can't breathe. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, they got there in time uh, and, uh, I, you know, I was able to take, take, my, take the next breath and I was in a coma instantly. And I got airlifted to, so on a helicopter ride, it was my first helicopter ride, but hey, oh, well. maybe next time, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't remember any of it. Uh, and I, they took me to the, the Alfred and uh, I had an emergency surgery. Basically, they said, you know what, well, there's so many injuries that are life-threatening injuries already. Uh, and I also had a subdural hematoma, which means there's a, blo- uh, a little bit of a, uh, a bleed uh, on, a, on the part of the brain, just between um, the brain itself uh, and uh, um, the fluid that separates uh, stuff like that. Yeah, maybe something can explain. <laughs> um, subdural, so under the dra- dura. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah. So there were so many other injuries that it was like that. What they said to my parents is they had a, I had a roughly about five percent chance of survival. I don't know how they calculate that number, but more or less that we'll do the surgery. But hey, um, he might survive. But if he doesn't, we actually if he does, we actually don't know the extent of the injuries because he's in a coma, mm. uh, and so you know there could be. You know, he could come out as a really funny guy, a really lame, lame jokes. <laughs> 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 I don't know how you have the humor for this one. So, so, what they, I love it. so what they did was um, uh, two weeks later, I, I, uh, I got out of the coma. Yeah, I was still in hospital. Uh, and the, what they told me was is that, you know, part of the anesthetic and that sort of stuff sort of wipes out your short term memory anyway. So alhamdulillah, I think I was a good thing because I've got no post. I actually drive past this place. It's literally like three minutes from my house. I drive past oh, okay. this place every single day maybe three or four times and i don't remember anything all i see is a tree and uh, tree still there oh, the tree still there <laughs> the i haven't i mean i don't feel like chopping it down or anything yeah. <laughs> but um uh, this literally <laughs> literally a layer of bark just came off it and anyway wow. uh, I, so i don't have any post-traumatic stuff which may, probably made the recovery a little bit yeah, easier much better. i spent time uh, in in the hospital for probably a few months and then uh, rehab and at the time, I understood the ramifications of, or at least on a theoretical level, the ramifications of my injury. I was studying physiotherapy at the time. Yeah. And so I understood that I knew enough of anatomy uh, that, okay, if this happens, yeah, something mm. bad mm. occurs, yeah, in mm. terms of what that translates into your life. And so uh, over time, I learned what the practical issues would be. Mm. Uh, on a, so I had to, firsthand, I learned physical, social and even sort of the mental challenges at the time. And alhamdulillah, I had a really good group of friends. I had yeah. a good, really, really supportive family. And um, I was privileged and honored with that. And that made things easy. You weren't demoralized at all. Like you didn't, you did as soon as you came out of the coma, like. I had my ups and downs. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that. Yeah. But I mean. Uh, I know you like to keep a positive attitude. Uh, in that. So I understand that. In hindsight, yeah. yeah it's me. easy to laugh, you know. Yeah. Uh, in 100%. 10, 11 years later when you're relatively healthy. Um, uh, you got some clout. Hey. <laughs> 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 okay, people need to understand the context of, this of, that, joke. <laughs> of that joke. But we'll just know he's got a TEDx we'll talk. Get, we'll get to it after. <laughs> so we'll get to it after. I promise I'll ask you about the TED <laughs> talk. But, um, uh, but so in, of course, I had uh, difficulties and yeah. uh, I can only thank Allah SWT for supporting, like, uh, allowing me to come out uh, of that, you know, th- in that way. And I think one of the things in terms of on a mentality level was that... Um, 
I didn't give up on rehab mm. in the sense of because there's, there's this thing, yeah, you have a you have a permanent injury, uh, disability, and then um. Alright, so it looks like we've got that, a fire, that alarm. Is fire alarm. Fire alarm. Fire alarm. Really? I'm gonna have Let a suss at it. Are you gonna go look at it? If yeah. not, while the fire goes, we're gonna we'll keep talking about talking. it. Okay. <laughs> I think this podcast is too hot, guys. Yeah, exactly. That's all getting yeah. a fire you know, alarm going. You know where to find us. That I got that same like problem as you. <laughs> we both drop lame jokes here and there. <laughs> we'll I don't know. I think it's. I think it's just you. I'll take it. I'll take it. There is a fire. Yeah. No. Oh. Someone, someone Bro, whack it, tell it to us. Do you want to just stay here and until they kick us out? Or? No, look, maybe there is a fire, I don't know. Just close the door, listen. Bro, just, just tell it to us, bro. <laughs> nah. Alright, this could be our last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're burning buildings. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see it, guys, but Ashraf <laughs> just pulled up a... Fire <laughs> <We're> extinguisher. <laughs> We're in safe hands. It's red, red. <laughs> It's crazy. I reckon we keep this part in. Nah, we'll have to, bro. Oh, if only we had a video for that, okay. bro. That's hilarious. But, what was um, the question? Um, we'll get back into the suicide of it. Okay, yep, yep. So, um, at this point, um, you're speaking about how you've been airlifted after that. No, no, no. He's, he's past that. He's just talking about... I'm still alive. I, yeah, I can't, he's, he's there. Like, oh, no, he's no, no. Dead. We're speaking about just afterwards and how this you're affected ru- him. You're ruining the ending, bro. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, in terms of the recovery, what, I, what uh, yeah, this is the bit I was saying that... Um, but I didn't give up on rehab because what happens is when something like this transforms, there's this mentality that, and I think you get it from the hospitals as well. Um, you know, if you work hard and you're committed uh, to, you know, walking again, yeah, because mm. the paralysis is, is was the main injury that was uh, that remained after everything recovered. If you if you do a lot of rehab and you try your best, and you know, there's stories of you know people can you know, get walking again, yeah, yeah? and uh, alhamdulillah, I think. I, for for different reasons, uh, I didn't. That didn't. I didn't really care that much. I wasn't really obsessed with walking again. Not the, not the sense that, like, in all honesty, it's uh, uh, you know it's part of the central nervous system, uh, and so uh, the real realistically, it's probably not going to recover to any reasonable extent, mm. uh, and so. Um, but there is hope. There's hope, but like, is, is, do, you, do you care, honestly? Uh, Really, I didn't care that much, right? Yeah. I just wanted to be healthy. I wanted to get on with my life. Yeah, right? I get you, 100%. And I, I was too young at the time. Uh, I think I, I had my eight, 19th birthday at hospital, uh, and they took out my uh, my breathing tube so I can taste some cake. Um, wow. Uh, but um, uh, halal cake, cake of us. Are you sure? <laughs> well, somebody brought me cake. I think it was my mom. I can't remember, right? But think about it. It's like so early on in your life. No, like, this is like 19-year-olds. I, I think there are a lot of 19-year-olds who listen to this podcast at the moment. So, yeah, so, so, so get this. Yeah, get this. You're, you're, uh, this is what I was thinking at the time. Yeah. Maybe not explicitly, but it was definitely in my head. I'm, I'm 19. Uh, this, I saw people around me. And, you know, everyone's got their own personal circumstances and their own sort of capacity. And I couldn't spend two, three, four, five years of like this prime time, uh, you know, in rehab hospitals and just obsessively, uh, you know, uh, chasing this mirage, yeah? Yeah. Uh, uh, And this hope, yeah? And... um, I just couldn't do that, right? I, I give it a shot, and I really, but but I had so much else happening in, around around me mm. uh, that um, I was focused. I wanted to go back to work. I wanted to go back to study. I wanted to um, go back to my friends, uh, uh, and of course, I had my own personal milestones. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I wanted to get married. I wanted to have kids. I wanted to get on with my life. Yeah, uh, and. So I didn't really get obsessed on that. And I got on with my life and alhamdulillah, I think I think I got my life back on track. You turned out uh, all right, you know? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, that was what my focus, that was my mentality at the time. And uh, I had chronic issues and I still do. Um, it's not something that I necessarily focus on, but I have to still manage. But that didn't, and that enabled my, um, on a mental health sort of thing uh, to get on. And okay. for example, we even with sport, you know, they they try and get you like of course, uh, it's 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 difficult at the start, right? Yeah. You're so it's you're you're using a wheelchair, and then suddenly you can't engage in certain things, and friends are doing things, and you know, like yeah. I don't want to be that special guy, right? Yeah. Um, and so they I say okay, take you to wheelchair sports, yeah. Yeah. And so let's go do basketball and rugby and uh, stuff like that. And that's cool. You I'm actually like, play rugby, wheelchair rugby. They do that, yeah. They do that. Yeah. How do you tackle? Uh, 
you, you smash into people's wheelchairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So um, it was fun. I got involved in that. and But then I thought to myself, uh, I want to, I just want to be around everyone. I don't want to be around, like, I don't want, I don't want to feel different. Mm. It's not like we have this like segregated community yeah, of, and it, and it serves a purpose, yeah. But for me, I just wanted to be back with everyone. And so I got, uh, I, did, I, just, I just felt a little bit, within myself a little bit weird uh, or uncomfortable, uh, you know? And so uh, I got out of that scene, that disabled scene, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, and I just wanted to be around with normal people. So I got into the gym uh, and uh, was, that was I found that something, that was something that like, I was on a level playing field with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And I was beating him to a bench press. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen his bench presses. I've seen his bench presses too. His bench presses are. To be honest with you, mashallah, I can't even do a, a chin up. Yeah. This guy does a chin up with a wheelchair on him. I don't know how, mashallah, but <laughs> just check out his video. Has how many, how many views? Quick, uh, I don't quick know, flex. I don't know what you're talking about. We're trying to give you clout. Quick, just quick. Just check out our Facebook. <laughs> like 44,000 apparently. <laughs> no, just, just dropping it there. <laughs> I don't, know what, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> um, but the the point was was I, f I found something that um I could I could do uh, and I could do I mean my my disability didn't really impact that yeah. and I would go to the gym every day it was a really good mental thing a stress uh, stress relief sort of thing um, sometimes it didn't even do anything man we just go and yeah. uh, uh, talk with with the boys right <laughs> uh, um, quickly uh, just on that quick point there like the mental side of it. What advice would you give to those people who feel like as if they're not a part of the general normal community? Like, how would they mentally, like, stay strong with all of that kind of stuff? Because, like, at the age of 19, 20, it's not easy, do you know what I mean? Saying to yourself, yeah, no. Nah. You mean mentally, not not just physically. Not, yeah, obviously, not physically. Obviously, Abdullah had a physical challenge in that. And he's the, talking about, like, maybe in a mental state. Yeah. Because, obviously, he, he you're trying to say that you seem different. Mm. You seem different because of that. He's trying to say people who have a similar mindset, thinking they're different based off of their personality, or whether or not they fit in, or whatever it is. He's saying, how do you tell them to navigate that? How do you tell them to get out of that situation or that mindset in order for them to be included? I was I was in a really special situation that um, really I can't take credit for for, yeah. uh, for for my own doing. Alhamdulillah, I just put it in there that um. I had an amazing group of friends and, a, and an amazing group of brothers, uh, uh, um, family, and particularly my younger brother who who was with me the whole time. Um, like, uh, and you know, we did we, uh, and that was just incredible. Like, um, that was just the context that was there, and that context supported me in in ways that that I can't even uh, comprehend or mm. I didn't even know. It was just simply sometimes it's just the presence uh, of certain people in certain times, and. It made things. I was I was always part of everyone else. Um, I didn't necessarily feel uh, special, uh, which was good, I think. Mm. And uh, I, sometimes I get that question. Yeah, I get that answer. I get that question. I go, "What do you think, or how? What supported uh, you, like on a whether it's your frame of mind or ment uh, on a mental level?" Yeah. And I kind of feel that I'm not in a position to necessarily give advice. And sometimes, uh, sometimes even that advice is um, presupposed to be. Or expected to be some inspirational quote, yeah, mm. or some yeah, yeah, motivating yeah. piece, and it'd be like, you know what? It was perseverance and yeah. hard work. Mm, um, Five a.m. in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, fudge it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it, a lot of it, a lot of it just happened on its own. Uh, but um, like for example, we did Hajj in uh, two thousand and eleven, and I had this group that spawned a lot. Brothers in this group were just amazing. Mm. I, it was something that with my situation, it wasn't farted on to me anyway. Mm. Um, but uh, bro, it was just it was just incredible, and the people around me, uh, it's just yeah. I, I really I, I can't. I, all thanks to Allah for it. Um, mm -hmm. And I really, uh, if if any advice I could give, it would probably boil down to having that uh, good strong network of brothers, sisters. Muslims and then even also non-Muslims. So one of the other things was because I was studying physiotherapy, it's a really a rehab based sort of uh, focused degree. Yeah? Mm. So, and that sort of stuff. So when I went back to uni, everyone knew what this was, right? Like it wasn't, so it wasn't difficult. I wasn't doing this uh, like 
it was tied to the study in a sense, yeah? yeah exactly. Uh, and I would have made a good patient uh, or a case yeah. study. <laughs> uh, but that helped as well, right? So this is stuff out of my control that was just in my context at the time. Uh, and, uh, you know, f- was from there and then fr- work. I'm with, you know, medical field. And so everyone knows about it. And even in Australia now, there's this whole, um, there's this whole movement of inclusivity and making or normalizing disability, yeah. right? And so I never felt any stigma. Um, if anything, it was something that, uh, you know, I could leverage for myself. And, you know, I've got free parking as well. So um, <laughs> uh, that, I, think, I think that was the, the core to my success. <laughs> 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 the parking for me. No, alhamdulillah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only to borrow your tank. <laughs> Actually, I think I, I think it's. In you got a spare one for me? No. <laughs> I think it's in a Mars car at the moment. I need to get it. <laughs> so, all that, is, that sort of stuff. All I'm going to say is Abdullah has not learned his lesson. Man, he's still crushing. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. We're, we're moving on, are we? Yeah, we move on. <laughs> oh, you like a white girl. He even ordered the skinny latte from before. I had to buy him a skinny latte. Jesus. What right. grown man boys. Oh, generally, it's a skinny latte or a hazelnut skinny latte. Lord that's my uh, That's my general order. We need to get um, you a double espresso shot. Yeah, yeah. Did I say espresso? Jesso? Jesus. Espresso? Espresso or espresso? It's espresso. Okay. Apparently. But anyways, bro, nah. Um... Honestly, though, we'll, we'll carry on from that. Like, like, is there anything else in your life besides? Obviously, you don't let this, whatever the situation happened to you. It doesn't dictate who you are. Obviously, it is part of you. Your life experiences are a part of you. It makes you, it makes you fragments, or like you learn certain things from it, and you just gain wisdom from those situations. But obviously, it's not who you are as a person, Jeremy. You don't want to be seen as the dude. Obviously, who survived the car crash or the wheelchair, and you know what I mean. Or do you, do you have any like stigma behind that, or do you? Do I, 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 what I, what, the way I see it is like I can't take credit for anything. Like what, in the sense that um, uh, uh, surviving, for example, if we want to use that example, surviving a car crash, it was like that's not something that I calculated and, yeah, and yeah, I planned, right? Allah, it was what yeah. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala like gave me, right? Hmm. Uh, and we believe that um, these experiences uh, are inherently tied to. Uh, if we respond to him in a productive way yeah? mm. and in the way that pleases God, uh, it brings us closer to him. So I, f- uh, I understood and I, I, well, I came to understand, right? Yeah. Perhaps not at the time itself, but uh, alhamdulillah, we have the benefit of hindsight. And I came to understand and comprehend uh, a lot of these things of, of as, as really a good thing. I act- honestly, I see this and I can confidently say this now that what happened to me didn't put me backwards. It actually pushed me forwards. Mm. And in the sense that the people that I've met, the, the experiences that I've had uh, through this would otherwise perhaps not have happened yeah. if this didn't happen. 100%, right? yeah. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's provided me opportunities and uh, in ways that, subhanAllah, I can't, uh, I can't really uh, understand any other, any other um, pathway. And so this has brought me closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Um, of course, my situation's not that bad, bro. I'm just I just use a wheelchair, man. Like really, no, I love like, um, that, uh, that that, I don't I don't see that as uh, maybe it's because of course uh, living it, but I don't I, I think it looks as a little bit more worse than it actually is. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, and so that's the perspective I see. I see it as something that has brought me forward and not not taking me backwards. And there's so much more still to. To do. All right, I think this fire alarm is actually a legit yeah, fire alarm. <laughs> the whole world is burning right now, and we don't know. We'll leave a pause there. And we'll continue. We'll pause uh, but guys, welcome back to our podcast. Um, we've got the one and only Abdullah Hamimi again here after a um, what do you call it? A fire false alarm. Yeah, yeah. We're burning this place down, aren't we? Um, but <laughs> slowly, slowly, one podcast at a time. Oh, one building by a time. One, bu- <laughs> <laughs> one building at a time. Lifting it up. Um, but yeah, take it off. Well, Abdullah was just telling us about his experience, and um, I think he wants to go on and tell us about this this lovely event he's got carrying on soon. So what we've been doing is since literally over the last probably twelve months exactly, and it all started last semester, last year, and we worked on this for probably six weeks prior there was an idea that was proposed and floated and it was a bit of a long shot to be honest uh, we wanted to do a large scale 
event around a particular issue. And the issue that was that came to, to light was actually, a, the idea was from uh, Brother Faraz in Sydney. So he, he can take the credit for it, something that he wanted to do. And it was us, it was, uh, we took the, we seized the opportunity more or less, and we helped deliver it. But anyway, with that idea, uh, uh, pitched it. I went to every single Islamic society. Uh, so except for, I don't think I met with Swinburne. I just I had a phone call with them. Do, they, do they have a Islamic They do. They have a very thriving, mashallah, Islamic society. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Swinburne and Vic Uni, I didn't get to actually meet up in person. Uh, but nevertheless, we pitched it to every single society and we, we wanted to do something organically and independently. So young Muslims from university educated people come together, focus on... Uh, something that is on our minds and of course coming from that da'wah background uh, you know uh, Muslims understanding Islam uh, in relation to atheism science uh, or challenges they face with their Islam in the modern world uh, intellectual ones particularly and so that I thought, this is, that's a really really good idea and mm. uh, the title of the conference that we wanted to call losing my religion right and so it was a little bit of a confronting title yeah uh, and of course, there was a, there was a subtitle to it too that may, uh, that put it into context. But um, the idea was to do this on a large scale thing and, and to run a really good marketing campaign where the uh, the focus of the event itself has a purpose in the sense that the the through the marketing material we attract attention to this particular purpose. Yeah, and so we ran a really good campaign. We when we wanted to get some international speakers. Uh, Hamza Zortzis or Tortoise or Torto um, uh, yeah. and, and Sabor. Are you, are you planning on getting him? Uh, so I wouldn't mind him on the podcast. Hey, <laughs> there were some challenges at the time. Um, and so uh, we did this event and we didn't want to just do an, a little MSA event. We wanted to do this really professionally. So we pitched this to sponsors and Alhamdulillah, actually there was a time when uh, we had to probably that week, we had to make the call. Uh, do we have the finances to run this? Yeah, and subhanAllah, it was like it was, it was another one of those lessons of risk. Yeah, bro, that meeting I think we only had a few thousand dollars, and at the time, scratching my head, man, I was like a bit of pressure. Yeah, we yeah. did so much to put this together, and like we don't have the funds to put it. Uh, and I'm not kidding. That after that meeting, uh, bro, money was rolling in, uh, sponsors were coming in, and uh, and we're only limited by how much we asked for. I think, alhamdulillah, we got enough that we could pull it together pay for flights, accommodation, make this, you know, all the shebang and make it look really um, professional. Uh, and so we put it together. We, we ran this large scale event and it was, it got so much community attention. Uh, attendance, of course, was, was a packed house and this packed house of youth. Yeah, mm. I'm thinking 700, uh, 700 plus Muslim youth from different backgrounds, different universities, different ethnic um, uh, origins and it was something to be seen. And I had the speaker's feedback was like, how the hell did you do this? Mm. Right? Uh, like, who are you guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How dare you do this? <laughs> no, yeah. no, that wasn't like that. But, uh, but in the sense that it was quite amazing. And so we thought we'd, this was September last year. And of course, that gave us inspiration to move forward. And we moved forward uh, with reviving my religion. And so this was the next leg. And it was a, that was a great idea too. Hey, we've spoken about the challenges. Now, how do we move forward from there? Yeah? Mm. What can we do locally, internationally, particularly in our community? To you know, elevate ourselves or elevate our, our community, yeah, um, through our through our deen. And again, uh, I think that proved it wasn't a fluke. And this is remember, right? This is run by young Muslims. They're not exactly. Yeah. They don't have uh, postgraduate degrees or uh, necessarily corporate experience. Uh, it was just totally managed by twenty somethings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, we did it. Same thing. Uh, ran a really str- uh, campaign around a purpose that highlighted the issue. Uh, and given social media, it goes worldwide. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Sydney sees it, Melbourne sees it, um, England, UK, Sydney, uh, uh, America. Everyone gets to see that sort of stuff. Look what these look what these young Muslims are doing, and you know local international speakers as well. And we put it together, and it was just incredible. And this was in I think this was in uh, first half of la- first half of this year, April or May. I should know this better. Um, yeah. So uh, and then it was it was um, I think a week or two after Christchurch. Yeah, yeah, so I think uh, it was April. 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 May five was Ramadan, so it wasn't Ramadan. So. Yeah, okay. okay we yeah. could do after. So Khair, um, uh, uh, and then we're like, let's do another one. Let's do another one. And I was, I thought to myself, hey, uh, if we do another one, uh, I mean, it's not about just doing again and doing the same thing over yeah. and over again, right? We need to 
we need to improve it and add more to it. Uh, and running events, we've done it a lot through Islamic societies and through community organizations. So running the events were never a challenge, right? No matter how big they were, they were never a challenge. Alhamdulillah, we had like the volunteer group. People wanted to be part of this, so much so that I sort of had to say no to people, right? Yeah. Uh, and it was really tough, but buy a ticket and sit, <laughs> sit down, yeah? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we, we, we pulled that off and then the idea was, okay, look, what do we do next? What do we do next? What do we do next? And there was a part of me that was saying that, bro, I've got so much, we've got so much work to do, uh, you know, uh, that how do I fit a huge program like this into already a tight schedule with study, family, uh, and whatnot? And uh, it was just, anyway, I thought, I, 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 can't, I, I spoke to uh, many of our brothers and the sisters and I got advice and I thought to myself, you know, stop being an old man, bro. Just like get on with it, man. This is, you've got one opportunity yeah. uh, and take it. Yeah, take it. Like don't, don't sit there and make excuses why you can't. Yeah. And I could have made a lot of excuses, uh, but khair, we went on with that. And uh, so the third leg is coming up in October, s Sunday, the 20th of October. So that's next week, guys. Uh, yes, next week, guys. So um, uh, it's titled Forgotten Legacy, The Untold History of My Religion. So the idea and the focus of this uh, particular conference is to bring together a range of local and international uh, um, speakers, presenters and panelists to to represent often underrepresented areas of our history. So civilizations that existed outside of the Arabian Peninsula that we probably don't know much about, but they did a lot for those communities and, uh, and, and spread Islam in ways that, uh, and to extents that uh, really deserve a lot of credit and attention. And so, Alhamdulillah, we know a lot about this, uh, the Sira, we know a lot about the Rashidun era, we know a lot about the first century. We love the stories of Andalus, uh, um, yeah. and they evoke all those beautiful feelings. Uh, but there was thriving civilizations in Africa, West and East Africa. Yeah, uh, there was thriving civilizations in Central Asia. Mm. There was thriving civilizations across the subcontinent. It's not something that we really hear about. Um, so what we sought to do is let's let's have a comprehensive program where we not only just have a program on stage and we talk about this stuff, but let's do, let's do, a, let's do some, let's create some tangible assets for the community. So media and things like that. So we sought to put a documentary together and the documentary will be released at the event itself. Mm. And so for the first time, you'll be able to see it there. Um, uh, so exclusive, uh, exclusive tickets for that, inshallah. Mm -hmm. And that documentary uh, will be something that the community can hold on to. Uh, um, uh, in many ways, and on top of that, uh, we wanted we were creating an exhibition. So an exhibition that you'd often see at a museum, yeah. Mm. Uh, and we've got this exhibition is going to be. It's not just little you know banners and that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, we've got a really good, and you have to come and see it, right? I'm not going to give away too much. Thank you so much. Large scale, thing, mainly yeah. because at this stage it hasn't been printed. Yeah. <laughs> but um, get your tickets ASAP. Yeah. So this program is going to be so multifaceted and uh, like. Per, even even when I think about it, like, it's not it's not it's not run by a bunch of youth really, mm. uh, it, but it is it is right. It's, <laughs> it's crazy so, though, but think about it: a bunch of youth, technically like regarded in society as inexperienced, unexperienced, whatever way you want to correct me. Um, <laughs> inexperienced, yeah. Um, <laughs> you thought about that for a second. It is, it is, it is. Can't confirm. Um, <laughs> so you think about it: inexperienced, like twenty-year-olds, all this kind of stuff, running this type of an event, bringing in about seven hundred people. It's a big cause in it, you know what I mean? It shows how much the community needs an event like this. And, and it's, not, it's not, for us, I think one of the bigger overarching objectives was uh, not just to pull off a one-off sort of thing. Yeah. Is to, and through this, we, a lot of us have uh, developed the experience uh, and got the skills to then, of course, transfer this to the real world, yeah? When we get out of the MSAs and we go to our community organizations and you know, we've upskilled ourselves in on project management. We've upskilled ourselves through um, uh, delivering sort of media media solutions, all this sort of stuff, right? So this isn't just about this. It's about giving, mobilizing youth around a really important issue, mm. uh, and then giving them the opportunity to take leadership, mm. and then those skills that are cultivated through that experience to go out in the community and do it even in a bigger and better play way bringing that up that's actually an amazing one because um i had a i had a um discussion with one of my mates who's actually very very i look up to myself um we both know sadiq 
Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Man. Hashtag clout. Hashtag clout. Uh, I, look, I look up to him, not not physically, but just in other words. But anyways, we'll allow that. <laughs> so um, we're talking about um, leadership in general and how the way it's been an agenda that's pushed across for many, many years, especially in our communities. Like, you guys are the future leaders. And they tell you, okay, I'm the future leader now. What does that even mean? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, w- w- what is it that's preparing us or has given me this title that I'm the future leader? We just have random shiuch and random, like, just random people who are old come up to us, tell us, hey, you guys are the future. You're the leaders. And we, the, the kids are just looking around like, okay, I'm the leader. What does that even mean? You know what I mean? Yep. I think that programs like this, and I, I think you can amount to this, it, it gives people the tools, the actual wisdom, in order for them to become leaders. And... Um, and I, 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 like, well, how do you how do you expect like, especially with our communities and stuff like that? Do you think that we should just be throwing around these labels, calling people below the age of twenty five leaders or future leaders, or you guys are the youth and the youth is empowering our future? Should we be just throwing these titles at people, or should we be telling the kids, hey, like, think about it like this: you are future leaders, but you're only a future leader if you act like it or if you deserve that title. It's just a label, but you, the way you act is what actually dictates your leadership. I don't know, or whether or not you're a leader, but um, I'll let yeah, you that, elaborate that's, on that's that. Really, that's really interesting because I know there's, uh, mashallah, there's a lot of leadership programs, programs out there. Programs, yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, I, of course, they've got a very, they've got a purpose and they've got objectives and some of them are more practical and some of them are more abstract uh, than others. And so I, I don't mean to paint them in any one brush because uh, I've definitely done. I mean, anyway, they'll, in their coursework or in their courses, I'm sure many of them cover uh, <coughs> how leadership is um, it exists, yeah, whether it's mm-hmm. developed or whether it's innate and somebody mm-hmm. that has those sort of things. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, so, yeah, so I, I want to appreciate the nuances to that discussion. And that, um, but I would say that when we. When we say that we want leaders, uh, it's one thing to say it and another thing to provide that sp- a, sp- a place and opportunity yeah. on a real practical front. So it's not like I just did a course and, hey, I got out of the course and, hey, you know, khalas, I've got the ijazah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, this, this experience, particularly at university, is a beautiful sort of like, um, what's the... Training ground? Training ground. I was thinking something. I was trying to make an analogy with a beehive, but um, <laughs> yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't come up with something that, that, that was witty and also sounds funny. <laughs> but more or less, yeah? A just, melting pot kind of thing. Just let it be. Yeah, so um, uh, it's a really good opportunity. And you know what? You don't need to do a leadership course to, 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 do, leader, to, yeah. to do that, right? Everyone's got strengths and everyone can apply themselves on different, on different, um, uh, on different capacities. And yeah. that's probably one of the... And of course, it's one of those things you need to learn in and of itself. Like, for example, I can give my experience in project managing uh, this sort of stuff. And we work with we work with people who have got a really diverse set of skill sets. Yeah. And my main task is to give them the best opportunity for them to do the best that they're, pos- that they're capable of. Mm. Now, that might be giving them a leadership position somewhere. That might be giving them a responsibility somewhere. That might be me... Uh, connecting and, and understanding them better mm. to in order to utilize them in the best way, right? And so naturally, when you work with a diverse set, a set of people, um, you can identify the, the people who are uh, the leaders, the workers, uh, the creative minds. And I felt like I've learned a lot and I, I don't classify myself as yeah. any leader or anything, anything like that. Um, self-appointed, huh? Yeah, yeah. Hashtag dictatorship. Um, <laughs> hashtag clout. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, just through the so this this experience has taught me a lot. We've been we've been able to engage and have conversations, uh, like just take the sponsorship thing for example. Being able to engage with like corporate guys, mm. people in in leadership positions, yeah. and having uh, like that just develops you on. In, in, in ways that you can't even recognize. Yeah, I only um, bring this up because I've I've heard from a lot of mates who have been at events, for example, at different organizations. I'm not going to name names, obviously, of people and organizations themselves. Yeah. I, w- I would rock up to these events and then their, their topic would be leadership. And the guy would walk up, he's 18, 19 years old, only recently got like a, maybe like a, a little flimsy position. They gave him a little label, like, for example, director or creative director, whatever, and blah, blah, blah. And it, it's just a little fancy label, yeah? And then he, they'll rock up onto the stage and, like, they'll look at everyone. They'll be like, I'm, 
um, being a leader or being a leader in the community or a future leader of the Muslim Ummah, or and you're just looking at them, you're like, Have you, who gave you that label? Who told you? Who told you you're that high? And why are you already like? Putting yourself on a pedestal, do you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I think I think everyone's got something to contribute. It's not like that, you know. Um, uh, but it's just uh, that, that. Sounds like you've been hurt, bro. It's where, 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 where did they touch you? It's just that pretentiousness. You know what I mean? Like everyone just like they'll just take the label and they'll run with it, and they'll just like, hey, I'm I'm like being a leader or being a, a Muslim. But you like, Swahil, don't you think like? Yeah, but you, it's good to expose people to positions like that sometimes. It's it's not but that it's not that it's not the, the the label or the position or whatever it is. I'm just saying like you you kind of like actually believe it. Yeah. For instance, they believe that there's something after yeah. that, and it's not okay. Well, like running away with it, like taking it with like a bit of arrogance. No, no, no. It, it's they genuinely their their thoughts, their views, whatever they think the world should be and how yeah. it should run, and you should listen to me and everyone else's opinion doesn't matter. Like this yeah. specific well, that, that's specifically arrogance. But like at the yeah, end yeah. of the day, like if you got a 19 year old yeah, and you empower them in positions of leadership. Then that sets them up for the future and all exactly. that kind of stuff. And the I think like this program does that. Do you know what I mean? Having young kids, twenty year olds, exactly. like, who are still youth, all this kind of stuff. They don't have the they don't have the actual position and they don't give you the yeah. power and just throw you into the middle of the mix in the in the in the deep waters and tell you, Hey, you're a leader now, go for it. Yeah. I think however it's done, um what I think what we can't probably erase from the conversation is is that um there there is a lot to learn from a lot of people. And our community has got such a diverse set of skill set and experience. Uh, that we should learn off each other at mm. the very least, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think I think that and um, that's the underlying principle behind many of this sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, that uh, there's people who have experienced certain things that are in certain positions, and that they can transfer their skills to mm. the younger generation, and we can learn from it. So that's what I, that's, that's what I fundamentally see yeah. uh, in that. Um, maybe it's overdone a little bit uh, in a way, and there's, there's sort of not much uh, practical uh, opportunity yeah. uh, in that sense, but. You know, I think it just needs to be appreciated above and beyond that um, the point of it is is that we can learn off uh, the older generation and their experiences. Now that has its pl- that has has its place, yeah. and then there's also uh, you know the younger voice and uh, and the youth voice and the youth opportunity and and actually giving them the independence uh, to mm. do things as well. So it's a wider discussion. Um, but youth will uh, always be youth at the end of the day. Like the second yeah. sometimes. I don't know, we've all been through this, like when we, th- like one day we think we're right and then we run along with it. Do you know what I mean? And the older you get, you realize, oh no, I wasn't right at but that, that time. But that's all right. Yeah, I, exactly. I think I've definitely l- learned that from my own personal experience yeah. that um, there's been a lot thing, a lot of mistakes I've made and that's part mm. of leadership. Mm. Yeah. Like if we're going to, if the leadership program is just a, a culturing program to turn, to manufacture people into a particular org- organization, yeah. Okay, I think there's a problem with that. Yeah. But um, but if you keep an open mindset at the end of the day, realize yes, I can be a leader and I do, and I can succumb to some faults in that. Or at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, cool then. Yeah, I've made a lot of mistakes and yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah you have. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first one was this podcast. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we cut off now? No, but definitely, man. Like, no. To be honest, if you did this, there's um, there's only certain aspects you can control in life, you know. There's there's um there's um people's perception of you as well, which I wanted to I wanted to bring up being can you in control such that? a you obviously can't. Yeah. I think the only thing you can do is just be who Allah SWT wants you to be, I guess. And and try and try and oh, keep you can be pleased. yourself one try way. And, you try and keep Allah SWT. So, so tell pleased. me, what, what do you think about Abdullah? Abdullah, yeah. hey. he's cool, he's legendary, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, a good yeah, bloke. Yeah, yeah. Pretend he's not here. Okay. <laughs> he's a no I'm joking. <laughs> 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 no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm like like for example, you're in a public sphere. You obviously have people that like you. Hashtag clout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna speak about that. I swear we're dropping that. Right, Everyone's we'll, probably looking at this podcast and like, we'll bring it up. We'll bring it up. We'll bring it up. We'll bring it up. But um, be like like be it that you're in a public position and you are a public figure, especially in the Melbourne scene. Um, there are kids out there who are dealing with things like similar to what your your experience because you're on a larger scale. They are on a smaller scale. What is it? What word of advice do you have for maybe a 20 year old, 21 year old going through it, trying to figure out their life, and he, they're just feeling like everybody's just like looking at them? Do you know what I mean? Like, what, what's what's your deal with people's perception? Like, what, like, do you have any word of advice for people who are how do I say it? Um, enslaved. By, by thoughts what, yeah, of other people, of other people's perceptions of them. It's really interesting. I think I think there's no 
one size fits all uh, sort of uh, advice or approach. Uh, but above and beyond everything, I think knowing who you are, yeah, and knowing who you are, yeah, to yourself. So introspecting, mm. yeah, and knowing who you are and what you stand for. I think that gives you a lot of direction and a lot of purpose in whatever you do. Uh, so uh, I know through my experience, I think my experience has definitely enabled me to unpack and uncover and realize that within myself, right? I know who I am. Uh, I, I, I can show you my ID card. <laughs> <laughs> I know who I am. I think, uh, I, I, think I do. And, okay. Yeah, I've passed the police check. <laughs> <laughs> so I know who I am and I know what I, what I, uh, what I, uh, what I stand for and what makes me... Uh, what drives me, mm. yeah? Uh, and so I just pursue that. All right, now I'm going to shift the attention to your TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> the big TED um, Talk. Hamimi, recently, was it recently? How long? Two weeks ago? A week ago? Uh, week. First of September. Yeah. Who knows the date? Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't forget my first TED Talk. I'll tell you what that you right now. First, first TED Talk. First TED what? Talk. Do you hear that? Whoa. Do you hear that? Um, I didn't buy bread. <laughs> but no, um, just let us know, like... Just, just give us, give us a little backstory behind how you got. First of all, how you got a TED talk, and second of all, what you spoke about in your TED talk. Um, so, how I got a TED talk, probably very un- undeservingly. Um, I didn't. I don't think I did anything. Stop being uh, modest, please. Very I, we, want, Honestly, we, I, we want the true version of Abdullah. Yeah, we said. Remember, no the, filter. So, <laughs> uh, one day. Uh, I get a friend request from on Facebook from the pre- uh, supposedly click on his click on the guy's profile and he's he's uh, president of the TEDx uh, Monash University thing. He's a licensee of TEDx and I was like, okay, that's interesting. Hmm. Confirm, <laughs> <laughs> accepted the friend request, friend request, and then uh, probably within uh, a few hours, I got an email uh, saying that, hey, um, uh, let's have a chat. Uh, I want to invite you to our TED talk, TED. TEDx main event. Oh, so you have to uh, get invited. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag clout. Um, so <laughs> he invited, uh, went to Monash Uni, got my bubble tea, had a chat with him. Um, and uh, he told me that they're having their first main event. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, wow, this is like something we, I've watched so many of them on, on YouTube. Mm. And uh, the caliber and the quality of the speakers and uh, like it doesn't happen by accident, right? Mm. Uh, they're very selective and uh, uh, in terms of how they do it. And he's just trying filter. to say he's a big deal, people. No, I'm not saying. I'm <laughs> saying they made a no, they made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I got there. No, I had it, inshallah, but um, there was a so they had a chat, and I was like, okay, um, yeah, let's do it, man. Oh, this is definitely something that I'd I'd like to contribute. But how? What can I talk about, Ryan? Mm. Um, and so I I I fundamentally wanted to talk about uh, my experience in Islam, uh, and how do I and how can I do that and. So when I had, uh, they tell us, okay, go have a, have a think. This is, and the process is really, it's sort of, it's a sort of intense process in the sense that um, there's, uh, there's, you know, um, there's a lot of support going through scripts, revising scripts, rehearsals, uh, workshops for public speaking, hearing other people's experiences um, uh, who have done TED Talks. So they sort of train you up? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I felt that going through that process has definitely helped me on a public speaking level, which I don't. I don't think I necessarily had a problem with that, but um, this had a different level of um, uh, pressure. It, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, of course, probably put a bit more pressure on myself as well. Uh, and throughout the period of about a month, uh, we came together. I spoke to different people, and I fixed my topic. Yeah, and the, the topic that I, I titled the topic mm. "Embracing Suffering," right. And because I did my research on the channel and I looked at Muslims that uh, that had talks and what I found was it was sort of commonalities. I was like, OK, um, uh, what Muslims tend to speak about in, on, on TEDx is the effects of Islamophobia. All right, cool. Fair enough. Yeah, um, the uh, 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 Muslim women in leadership. Yep. I understand. Uh, women and hijab and generally liberation from hijab you can't speak about that uh, no, no but I saw, I saw this yeah i'm, I'm, no, I'm just saying what, what i observed yeah and another thing about um uh, muslims and uh diversity in the sense of lgbt uh queer and that sort of stuff and also i was like and then there was a few critiques about islam as well uh there's one or two talks here scarcely but anyway uh, about uh, like intellectually about islam and so i took this as an opportunity for 
to present this on a wider audience, uh, sort of something that kind of, there was a Dawa component to it, yeah? Because mm. I looked at their website, their YouTube channel, and they've got 20 million subscribers. Yeah, they're not, they're not small. Not they're not small, small yeah. So you just slid in Dawa. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but, um, uh, so that's a topic that I did, and I got a lot of help putting things together. Uh, then the next task was to memorize this thing, yeah? And we went on, we went on stage and, bro, I couldn't, the stage was like, there was so many lights, I couldn't see anybody, right? It was a, uh, it was a full house, but I couldn't see anyone on, uh, on there. And I, f- I actually, I was so excited, I forgot the clicker, oh. right? <laughs> so uh, I was supposed to wait for the clicker, but I had memorized the talk, so I didn't need the clicker in the end. And my, my slideshow was pretty, um, pretty understandable in terms of how it progressed. Yeah. And so uh, I did the talk um, and uh, it was just an incredible experience. And so I won't give away too much, but more or less the, the crux of the contention was was to explore uh, the concept or the problem of evil and suffering through my experience, mm-hmm. yeah, and through the Islamic lens. And so how Islam uh, gave me the ability to comprehend uh, my experience, right, given, uh, given that philosophical dilemma that's often posed to theists in general, but Islam specifically, about why bad things happen. And why there's evil in the world, and um, it was a really good opportunity to uh, present the sophistication of how Islam understands this. Right? Mm. Often it's seen in a really emotional capacity, and I felt that uh, <coughs> maybe I have a special um, uh, uh, situation uh, um, to be able to speak to speak about this in a relatable way. Would you consider that as a milestone? I know it's a bit of an obvious Of course thing, it's a milestone. There's a so bucket what, list, bro. What people said is apparently uh, they put it on their LinkedIn and it goes uh, on their <laughs> Instagram. It has like a TEDx speaker. Yeah. Don't you employ um, people if you get one of those? If you get a TED talk, don't you employ people? What do you need a LinkedIn for? Come chill on. Out, chill <laughs> out, um, so they have a curation process where they edit it uh, and, and, and put it together before they launch it. So it's probably still about a month away from today. Yeah. Uh, and... Hopefully get it up, have a watch. And what? Where, and the, where, where can we find it? Like on YouTube or something? Yes, yeah, so it'll be on YouTube, but I'll share it around, inshallah. Uh, yeah. And um, give me some feedback. Have, share it around because it will be a really good opportunity to, um, uh, as far as I know, nobody has spoken about this particular topic mm. um, from this particular angle especially. So uh, it's very unique on that level. It's not just your um, uh, your average sort of um, inspirational sort of yeah. whatever. Let's, let's tackle climate change and stop having plastic <laughs> yeah, sort of thing. Exactly. Um, so there was also Sister Miriam Collin, um, uh, who had hers, and so uh, she was also uh, in the lineup uh, together. And so we're both from the Islamic Society uh, at Monash University, yeah. and um, do look out for hers, inshallah, as well. So um, uh, she had very a very engaging talk. Yeah, mashallah. Well, um, we'll finish up by saying thank you for listening to our TED talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably okay. that but um, no, we really appreciate you coming down, Abdullah, especially with the long hours drive down to whoop whoop, you know. <laughs> Abdullah, yeah, I'm from but, the southeast, so um, no, we, we made it. We really appreciate it, bro. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, well, yeah, we'll leave it there. All right, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it, and um, maybe see you guys. I reckon. Next time. Wait, wait, quick question before we go. What do you rate higher, this or the TED talk? Quick, oh, three, two, yeah. one, zero. Us. Okay, thank you very yeah. much, guys. <laughs> Have a good day, guys. Take I'll be care. Back. <laughs> Don't forget, guys, to follow us um, on our socials, Food Income Pod, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and hopefully Snapchat soon.